Hello and welcome to another episode of Flamenco Attitude. This is the podcast that brings you, well, facts about flamenco that you may know if you are an expert or somebody who's been interested in the culture for a while, or you may not know if you're someone like me who is just exploring what it's like, the music, the attire, the culture, all about it. We go by first names here only, so I'm your curious host, Galia, and I am with flamenco artist, expert, guitarist, explorer, my friend, my colleague, and former teacher, Marcos. Today, we're going to dive into the great flamenco artists. In future episodes, we're going to dedicate a whole episode on a specific artist like Paco de Lucia, Camarón de la Isla, but this is going to come on later on. Today, we're just going to talk about the greats of flamenco really back in the days. We're going to go back in the 30s, in the 40s, and we're going to explore how they came onto the scene, how they evolved, their names, which you will hear are fabulous. As always, just want to remind you, I am not somebody who knows too much about it, so I'm going to ask questions, make comments, but Marcos is the one who is going to give us all about it. So without further ado, let's dive in. This is the episode on Flamenco Greats. Well, Marcos, hello and welcome again. Well, it's great to talk because there's nothing more I like than talking about Flamenco. Yeah, we know by now. <laughs> you live with it, as you say. Now, this is uh, one of the reasons why we're doing the podcast anyway, is the fact that, and I am looking on the uh, Andalusia.org website, this is the English uh, version dedicated, you know, explaining what flamenco is all about. So they say, in 2010, flamenco was designated World Intangible Cultural Heritage by UNESCO. So if you think about cultural heritage like the Great Pyramids or... Um, well, I suppose if we're looking at it from uh, an English point of view, Blenheim Palace. Because yes. now flamenco is yeah, pa but patrimonial. But exactly, uh, but this is, this is the intangible. This is the actual culture of the people. Yeah. So, and this is one of the reasons why we do the podcast anyway. And today, more than compared to the rest of the episodes that we've done, we're going to talk about the great artists, the ones that shaped it. Yeah, the, the, possibly the reason why it's been given this award and recognition. Award and recognition. Because it's an incredible thing for a music to be seen as a heritage. As something like this, okay. And we're going to start with, listen, I love the names the best. Some of the names of the artists are the best you will ever find because they are so original. I think we should start with the great Chocolate. Why is he called Chocolate? Chocolate. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, he, he's got a sort, sort of dark skin. That could be one of the reasons. But, I mean, you know, don't let's worry too much about, about his name. Um, let's think about how great he was. How, yeah. how great was he? Well, I'm fortunate that I've actually seen him live. So I, I've gone to a festival. If you imagine, in, in the 70s, he would have been on the same bill as Camarón, sometimes higher on the bill, Chocolate. And lots of people would travel to a, a small town to, to hear him. And his, his voice is something very, very special. His personality, his dress, because one thing he was known for is a very nice suit and of course 
that lovely white handkerchief in the top pocket. Which is very typical very when typical. I look at when I look yeah. at it, all the flamenco artists have some some yeah. sort of little handkerchief. Yeah. Um, the great thing about Chocolati was that he knows what the people want to hear. They want to hear him doing a fandango or bulleria, but he's thinking, no, we don't start straight like that. We start with something else. We'll start with something far more difficult, cigarilla. So he would always start with something, and the people would be thinking, when is he going to do one of his great fandangos? Now, the fandango is a very tricky form, uh, and he was the master of this. And the lyrics of that are almost more important than the song. Exactly. In future episodes, we're going to cover all the genres and we're yeah. going to explain the differences because probably people like myself have a very different understanding of what it is, a very modern and commercial version of what Fandango could be. But we're, in future episodes, we're going to cover how complex and intricate actually every single genre and subgenre is. Uh, but yes, why do you think he would go for something usually more difficult? Because flamenco artists always have a lot of pride. Mm. And their, their idea is, well, I'm not just going to give you uh, soliar because you want it. No, we'll start with what I want to start with. That's the way it works. Yeah? Now, did they like it, though? <laughs> Oh, they like it, did. but, but yeah. well, it keeps them waiting, doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a marketing strategy. <laughs> um, the great thing, I mean, he came from, from Jerez, but he's more associated with Sevilla um, because he, his family moved there. And he's like, uh, he became a sort of a padrino of, of the flamenco people of Triana. Uh, so you can, you can see uh, how he... As when Farroquito, the great dancer of today, was just a little boy, there was always Chocolati by his side encouraging him. So he's, he's, he's seen as like not just a great artist, but a godfather mm. of the flamenco. And, yeah. you know, and the respect that he had was just incredible. How much of an influence did he have on artists later on? Oh, massive. I mean, you know, he, he, he would have had a very big interest on Camarón. Uh, all the great artists because, that came after him because of his dignity. Yes, especially when you said he was a, a godfather figure. Yeah. He would actually want the younger artists probably to benefit from what he has left behind and move it forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I've only seen him on a couple of occasions live. But what it, was he it, like? Oh, you, you, you just can't believe it. When, <laughs> when he comes on that stage... Uh, it's a different thing, you know, you can feel the magnetism, you know, and he often wipes his brow, puts his handkerchief back, and then he just encourages the guitarist in a very different sort of way. Yeah, and then off, and off they go. And from, <laughs> the, from the little that I've seen, you know, actual live performances, yeah. um, Flamenco artists are not very, they're more straightforward. They come in, usually not in a very good mood, sit down, and then we're off. There is not much ado before the actual performance. No, I, mean, I, I, I was fortunate enough to see, um, see him walk across a field to get to the stage, and it was just incredible, you know, because he, he's just got this presence. So we won't get another one like that. And, of course, you know, he was uh, very good. We've talked about 
the importance of shirts and things like that. He was uh, very good in, in having... Immaculately the, dressed. In, ...in the shirt department. That was one of his <laughs> great, great things. And, you know, he, he was a master of many of the, of the songs, but he'll always be remembered, I think, for, as we said, the fandango. When we talk about him as a person, because you, you said you met him once, yeah. what was his character? Very humble. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very humble man. But he, he was a sort of a, like a, a living inspiration for all the other younger artists. And even today, people buy his records get hold of his recordings, stream it, whatever, because <laughs> they want to be like that. And you don't think it can happen? Well, you see, now what you're doing now is you're, you're taking us in a way, I know we're going to talk about the 30s in a little yes. while, but you're yeah. taking us really to the 70s. Because how old was he when you met him? That I wouldn't know. He'd probably be in 40s or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and... He had already had a career, obviously, he yeah. had already been singing for yeah. a long time. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the 70s were like a sort of a golden uh, period again. We'd already had the gold period that we're going to talk about. Yes, you know, we're, we're starting from we're but starting yeah. from the most recent era to the backwards, yeah. because I think, especially for somebody like me who doesn't know too much about it, yeah. it's easier to start from the most modern point yeah. and go back. Yeah, yeah I think that the issue, if we look at it, if you say the most modern point, if you look at where we are at the moment in flamenco, we don't have what we call figuras. Hmm. There are a few, but very few. So if you go to the 70s, the posters... You would have. You had all the figuras. Mm. So when you look at the posters, you see El Camarón, Chocolate, El Ebrijano, all these different people, they were all on the posters and they were all big people. And it, it, it's like, you know, they're like in football, Maradona. Yes. We don't have these people now. Well, maybe the people who are on now... Yeah. Will be figures when you know when we look thirty years from now. I don't know. I, don't, I, I think I'm not sure about that because I think the seventies the were very different. They were a bit of a golden age because because of Camarón coming up and the the people around him. We don't have it's eccentric is probably the wrong word to use, but we don't have the the people with this sort of character. Yes, do you know what I also think it is? I think the seventies actually, in fact, were if you look throughout the world, they were a golden era for a lot of art. When yeah. we talk about cinema as yeah. well, music, like rock, rock, exactly. Yeah. But it's it's also I think the time. You have certain conditions, you know, yeah. you have political conditions, you have how people lived, yeah. you know, lifestyle. And that I think today, you know, we don't really have the the lifestyle that people had back then. And I don't think it can be replicated. No, no. Hence why we can't have these people. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah and also they... because they flourished, because at that time the festivals, the flamenco festivals, Cult were, yeah. were Cult massive. Culturally the world was different. Yeah. Economically the yeah. world was different. They, they, they were massive. Yeah. So they had, um, there were a lot of them, lots of festivals, and they were well attended. Now, there aren't as many festivals today, and you... <sighs> you probably can't get the, the same number of people going to them. No. It, it's all changed, you know. You've only got to look at the old posters from then and you think, God, 
they had all of those people on, on one poster. So in one evening, going into the early morning, you're going to see all of those massive stars. And I don't think we're going to get that again. Do you think because um, the 60s, the 70s, art was done in a bit of a different way than it's done now? Do you think it was more crafted than it was now? Yeah, and it was more... It's, it's a corny thing to say, more earthy, because, you know, you just travel to a town or village. Yes, you a, actually experience, you experience it. A mayor of whatever village or town would think, right, uh, we've, I've got the budget, I'm going to just go for a really big festival. I'm going to get, I'm going to get Cameroon. And mm. often when they got these various singers, they could get the singers and the big budgets, but they couldn't really afford their normal guitarists, you see? Yeah. So, so it's would, not the same. No, so they would yeah. say to, to the local guitarist, um, you're going to have to do all the accompanying of these big names. And they weren't keen, because <laughs> obviously they were a bit overwhelmed <laughs> by who they're going to play against. Because can't afford to pay their, their normal mm. guitarist mm. as well. I mean, does that make sense to you? Yeah? It does because it's in a way they come as a as a package yeah. because the, the package sounds the best. Yeah. So once you change something, it will never sound the same. Okay. So how would you, uh, in your memory from that one time that you met Chocolate, what would you remember the most? Maybe something he said or what he was like on the day or I don't know. I like talking about you know when you actually meet people because that's that's what's real, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean. The good thing about him was that he looked after his teeth and there was a little bit of gold there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, in today, in today, you probably don't know this, but a lot of artists in the commercial arts have what we call a grill. So they would put artificial. It, it's the whole, it's the whole um, yeah. mouth, right? Yeah. And you would put it. But back in the well, that was the that was the equivalent for grill back in the day. You have a gold tooth. Yeah. <laughs> so. Did he did he flash a big smile to you? <laughs> Good stuff. Well, the, he is, I think, probably the. Would you say it's the most prominent figure of the the people that we're going to cover today? Because in a moment, I'm going to move to somebody else. But probably from that golden age, he was the. Yeah, and uh, you know, we just remember him with these wonderful hats he used to wear, his scarves, his suit. Always a wonderful handkerchief, and I've got so many of his records. They're all fan they're all absolutely fantastic. Uh, he was a master, and he never made a mistake. What was your favourite of his? I, well, I mean, all of I, you know. I don't have a favourite. I mm. mean, anything he does of Fandango, I would say he's number one. Okay. Well, we're um, we will have to listen to this at some point with you. You'll have to explain to me how it you know all goes. Yeah. And then we're moving on to I I love this name even more because terremoto you tell me means earthquake. Yeah. Who is the earthquake, <laughs> and and how 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 did he shake his audience? Ah. Uh. I mean, where do we start? Terremoto is uh, another one, like Chocolati. Again, you may have seen him on the same posters. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Younger, yeah. though. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. But there was a, a picture of him, an incredible picture on an album, you know, with him, with one of his cockerels and all like that. Um, the thing about him is, where we talked about Chocolati, we're talking about the Fandango. When we talk about Terremoto, we're talking about the Soleá the mother of flamenco 
and he's a master of that. And there's a great film that was made by the BBC many, many years ago during the dictatorship where he goes to a, an aristoc a house of the aristocracy and his presence again, like Chocolaty, it's just incredible. When he sings, you, you just can't, you can't, you can't believe it. You know, it's, it's the power. Did he did he sing usually without musical accompaniment? No, no. Oh, with well, music. Well, he's cap capable of doing yes, that, of course. Yeah. But um, no, he would like a guitarist uh, normally from Jerez, uh, from the Barrio de Santiago in Jerez. Uh, and that would be his way, that would be his normal way, because he's a very much a Jerez person. And uh, what era are we talking about when we talk about Terremoto? Well, he kept going, you know, through the 70s. Yes, Again, okay. you know, 70s we're, 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 That's probably one of his big points is in the 70s. That's when he was on top of everything. Yeah, yeah. And what you've got to realise is that if you could put a name like Terremoto mm. on a poster... That's going to bring in quite a few. People. Yeah, but 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 why? Apart from obviously the performance, was there anything else as part of his image that well, people would really look for? Because I think I think sometimes in art, it's personality as well. It's not just the art itself. It's the personality that drives why people like you, or don't like you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, that's just, just that's just me thinking out loud, you know. Yeah, it's he's got a, a very curious face. Yeah, explain that. <laughs> <laughs> and he can look very mysterious mm. and then he'll deliver. Often he'll leave very long pauses and just look at the guitarist and then suddenly go. Well, see, that's interesting. And when he goes, woof, you know. Yeah, well, that's, that's something that, you know, if I'm in the audience, you know, seeing him for the first time, I'll be thinking, hmm, what's going on there? Because yeah. if, if you're staring at your guitarist... Yeah. That made me in trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. he's. I suppose he's like the the, the vocal version of of, of uh, Faruku, and so he'd be on the dancer. He'd be on the stage, and he would just walk round, and people would be thinking, "Well, when is something going to happen?" And then suddenly, <laughs> absolute fireworks. For, that, well, so that that's why he got his name. Or, yeah. uh, but actually, that was a question I wanted to ask with Chocolate as well. Do they choose their names themselves or are they given? They're normally given. They're normally... See, that's the difference because these days, obviously, artists can yeah. choose their own names. But in flamenco, they're given. They're given, yeah. And uh, they stick and there's not a lot you can do about it. Not, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the names can be quite amusing or they can relate to uh, where the people come from. So if we talk about the great person again from the the 70s Antonio Mairena obviously he's from Mairena del Cor so he's so big of that town that he has that as his name yeah Lebrejano because he's from Lebrica so he just takes the name of his town right but then you get these curious ones which relate to uh the personality the personality or the way they perform or the way they look or, or, or uh, you know, in, in Cadiz, you, you get people named after uh, clothing, you get people named after fish, different types of fish. It's just, it, and, that's, and once that's on, that's it. Mm. And that's where it can be quite amusing when you get international journalists and, you know, and they, they don't realise they're saying, uh, well, Mr. Trousers. <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> because because they, they, they think that's his actual, actual name. 
when it's not. <laughs> and no, nobody, do you know what I think? Sometimes it's very difficult, culturally especially, to translate certain things. Because we have the translations of, let's say, Terremoto and Chocolate, but I am sure their names that are so of the place or of the culture that there is not a, a straightforward translation. So when you, when you try to wrap your head around it, yeah. it's almost a bit too much. So anyway, have you actually met him? No, I haven't. I'm afraid. I've got to. I've never actually met him. The, the fact that you, the fact that you're still here means because that's the earthquake. Oh, you know, it's like I've I've met one of his record producers, and he asked me whether I'd got any uh, in my vast collection of tapes and things, any anything that he hadn't put out. Anything right? he hadn't put I, out. I, I, yeah. I want to move on to ladies a little bit. Ladies okay. of flamenco. Another Jerez performer. Yeah. La Paquera. I'm not sure actually I know what Paquera is. Well, let's not worry about the... the I worry. Do you know why I worry? Because this is, if, if you're going to explore something, you have to make it interesting for yourself. <laughs> I, listen, I just want to know. <laughs> now, you're getting too hung up on these names. I won't. Not where I want to steer you is. Um, you know that there was this producer of films, or is, Carlos Saura. And he produced all these various films, um, Blood Wedding, etc. Yes. And then he made Flamenco. He's made two films just called Flamenco. And he got the artists, he managed to contact all the artists in Flamenco to come to the old railway station, the second railway station in, in, in Sevilla, the, the Cordoba station. And it was a massive reunion of all these people. But when you watch the film, it is absolutely electrifying because who do you think starts this film? You need to tell me. Paquera. La Paquera. The lady that we're going yeah. to talk about. She comes out with her arms out like this, outstretched, and the voice comes. And because she is seen as the, the, the most important person, and she starts off with the Hereth style. And it's just, oh, and it's, it's, it's just awesome. I mean, I've watched it so many times. You, you can't really replicate that. But you've got to realise that she had a very long career. Uh, she was involved in loads of films, so many films, uh, you know, with all the greats. So the, so the people that not necessarily follow flamenco would know her because she is part of the, the cinematic history Well, what films, Spain. for example? Well, I can't, you know, you're, you're putting me on the spot now. I can't give you all the names of the films. Yeah. I, 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 could, I could go upstairs and get some of them, but I've got a lot of them. I, I can't remember. Yeah, just, w just wanted to put it into perspective for our audience. Marcos has a sort of, a, what he calls it, a museum in his house. And it's the most incredible thing you will ever see because it's, the, it's a collection of a lifetime on all things flamenco. Yeah, it's a funny thing you say that because a, a, a man came here recently, uh, Javi, he's, he's from Cadiz, Puerto Real, and he said, oh my God, your whole life is in this It is, room. it is. Well, at least the flamenco part of your life isn't there. <laughs> also, there are a couple of uh, uh, what we call uh, guacamole, what was it? A couple of avocados that I bought you as well. Yeah. Well, they're, they're great because they... They, they look like flamenco singers. And they're lighting up the shrine 
to, to come along, which we yeah. will talk about in a later uh, episode. We will actually have a special on Cameroon. And this will be part of the specials that we put on once a month because, as you can imagine, it will be a very overwhelming episode. We will have everything in it. And Marcos, the biggest uh, supporter ever of Cameroon, so it's going to be uh, definitely one to look forward to. And you know, that's the, the sad thing that, of course, he wasn't in that flamenco film because he'd already passed. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, but that actually brings me to this. Uh, she, you say she had a very long career, and if Cameron couldn't make it to this film that you're talking that that's the, the mid 90s, then. We're talking about yeah. the mid 90s. That's right, yeah. And for a woman, and I don't, I'm not sure how to put this question through, but. Uh, it seems like flamenco, the flamenco culture is not like the other arts. You know, women were pretty much part of it. You know, it, yeah. it wasn't too difficult to get into it. No, is very, that that's my impression of it? Yes, yeah, they're very much a, a, an equal partner. Right. Uh, and sometimes you could say even more. Yeah. You because know? I, I know what you want to get onto is um, the era of the thirties when yes. you get La Nina mm -hmm. de los Benes the girl of the combs, this wonderful singer that emerges on the balconies. Yeah, I, I really of, want you to talk Sevilla, about that. In the yeah, Campana. Yeah. In, in the middle of, of Seville, there's an area, the Campana, that borders onto the Alameda, which was the flamenco area. Mm -hmm. And in the 30s, can you imagine, she would come out with her husband and, and sing. And she became, um, well, the first recording star of flamenco. Well, that's incredible. First, you know, yeah. if especially if we talk about commercial success, if you yeah. say the first, that's a yeah. woman. Obviously, people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. People yeah. had recorded, obviously, before that, but we're talking about almost like in the sixties when people rushed out to buy Beatles records. Yes, yeah. They would go to buy to her, buy her, her like singles, that. and they were on seventy uh, eights. Yeah, mm. and people would go to get what we would. I mean, obviously, people don't even talk about singles now, but they were just... We like, do, we do. One, one song on the side. Yes, we side. do, we do talk yeah, about singles. They have a wind-up gramophone, and she would be... And in fact, the um, interesting thing is, I went to the Museum of Flamenco in Malaga, and they've actually got her own gramophone there, where obviously when she'd made a new record, she would uh, play it. You know these these lovely gramophones with the with, with the, like a trumpet. Yes. Or, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So she would obviously uh, get be sent by Ispa Vox or whoever what company her new record and and have a listen to it and re and bear in mind uh, you know there wasn't really much editing then you, you had to no. you had to just do it it went you straight have on, to do onto it the in wax. One go, but but yeah. but I also really appreciate this because you have to really go in and be prepared. Because now, obviously, artists these days probably book studios and engineers and you have certain time and you can have a take or two or three. Yeah. And usually there is a lot of um, computer involved in it as well. There is a lot of editing involved in it as well. Oh, massive. But in those days, you had to just do it. Exactly. And uh, there was no second chance. And she probably had to travel maybe to Barcelona to record it. Boof, it's done. And then it was just out in the markets for sale. What was it like back in the 30s to have entertainment like this, somebody on a balcony singing for you? 
what well, would I mean, what would you compare to today? This relates a lot to 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 Holy Week when people came out and did the sayeta to, to, to the to the mehang, but uh, in the thirties they performed. You've got to realize that there weren't the festivals didn't exist, so people like her performed uh, in in theatres or in 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 boorings that's where that where they performed you know because the festivals hadn't really been invented uh, what i can tell you is the person who taught me uh, flamenco pepe martinez he became her guitarist mm. and uh, he uh, you know did all, all a lot of her recordings he inherited how great she was um, and one of the reasons was that Pepe uh, was able to, uh, he had a bank account, whereas many flamenco artists didn't have a bank account. So not only could he play the guitar, he was able to get the fees and then put them through his account and, and pay them to the, to the so artist. So she, yeah, she, in, in a way, she is the first artist of flamenco who literally lived like an artist today with a manager with somebody with a bank account and all who can manage the finances who can you know do her uh, uh, yeah. bookings and you know recordings and all that she it, was the it, first yeah. one she's, uh, she's been a massive influence on uh, she put a stamp on the whole image of flamenco that was to come uh, yeah um, what was her style again? Maybe you said it, but I, I missed it. Well, I mean, she could, she could, I mean, one of the great things she, she did is the tangos. She mm. was brilliant at the tangos. And of course, this is a, a, a thing which is great, very good for the single, the single, the single record, because it's popular and you can get it. I can it, imagine it, that actually it can tangos be short was, and very yeah. catchy. I can imagine that. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, because you uh, compared her to the Beatles, right? Yeah. It has to be short, it has to be yeah. catchy. Yeah. So, and this is what she gave and the she people. she came up with yeah. things that later on yeah. Cameron uh, kind of copied or not copied or was influenced by. She did it, the Guru Gu. She did this thing, which, which at the time <laughs> was everybody was singing this. Can you imagine? Because it was very catchy. Yeah. So she, apart from being a very serious artist, she had an eye to. She was also a bit pop. <laughs> yeah, 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 a bit yeah, pop as well. For the 1930s, was quite something. I would say so. I would say so. Especially that in the probably this day and age that wasn't done, a, you know, until later. So that's incredible. Well, how did she actually choose her guitarist? And that actually, that's a question for all flamenco artists in general when we talk about how does a singer choose their guitarist or guitarists because some of them have more than one yeah i mean the relationship is very important because you've got to know uh, the singer like wants to be comfortable that the guitarist will be able to follow anything yeah what certain singers don't like is a guitarist that's going to uh, do a whole load of uh, what we call falsettas instrumental breaks that are very very flashy because it can take the... We don't uh, have a big guitar solo. As we, it's no. because in rock, if yeah. we have to compare it to rock, you know when you have a group, yeah. it could be the Rolling Stones or yeah. who have you, you have a big sometimes guitar solo. Yeah. And it's, it's like a minute, a break from the actual singing. Yeah. So flamenco artists don't like that. Well, I mean, I know <laughs> I've, I've taken people to see concerts and they've said, oh, you know, this guitarist... They go on forever. No, they've said... <laughs> 
almost the opposite. He said, well, he's just playing, Not enough playing basic chords. And mm-hmm. I said, you don't realise that this person is an absolute maestro, but they're, they're keeping it low-key for the singer. They don't want to distract from the, from the singer, so they're just going to play very basic chords following how the, how the cant is going. And is it fair to say that the guitarists in flamenco almost have their own career as a guitarist anyway? Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't get as well paid as the singers. Oh, why they're, is they're, that? Well, the singer is the most important thing in, in flamenco. Because they can perform on their own, is yeah. that why? Yeah. No, but so what you look at, if you look at the the career of, of Camarón, he had many guitarists, and obviously on his records, you have Paco de Lucia and Tomatito. But that wasn't possible for a lot of his concerts, because Paco was, was already by then an international artist. Uh, he, yes. So he wouldn't be coming to play in a festival. And so, and equally... Camarón had many, many guitarists. Uh, so when he came to Moron, for instance, he didn't have uh, Tomatito coming the first time he played in the Gaspacho. He had to adjust. And often, as I said to you, because of the costs involved, um, local guitarists would be used. Mm-hmm. Just the guitarist of the, of the town or village. And they would have to do the accompanying. Yeah. Now, I've, I've seen this happen on a few occasions when uh, some very big singers who, uh, I won't mention their names, have got, become very unhappy with the way the accompanying... You know who you are. <laughs> if you're listening, you know who you are. And let's say they actually said, right, this is... No, no, go and get me. And this was just incredible, you know, in the middle of... I need another guitarist. And they literally stopped in the middle of a song and said, I'm, oh wow! Can you? I, Is that part of the, that's kind of part of a performance? I, I mean, you, you know, I've seen this happen twice. One, once and how did you? Because if if I were in that audience, <laughs> what I if would you be, were the guitarist? Oh my god! I would be sweating. I would I would literally be at the edge of my seat. Yeah. Because that's a very tense moment to have. Yeah. I just it was just literally like bring me another one. Oh my goodness. So even though you have, let's say, passed the test of being the you're still not quite there yet. No. Every single performance is a test of whether you can be with me or not. Oh my God. <laughs> La Paquera and La Nina, yeah. uh, how do they compare? Um, I think La Nina is, is like classic flamenco. And La Almost Paquera, as an opera. Yeah, and La, La Paquera is raw Hereth music, the music that came out of Hereth. And um, again, we're, I'm throwing to future episodes where we'll talk about flamenco places. And we're going to talk about Cadiz, Hereth, Moron, the difference yeah. between them. Uh, but how... <laughs> I suppose the question is this here. How does a person from, let's say, Hereth become a, like La Paquera? becomes the person of Hered. It, does, does it have to be the most listened to in the place? Or... Well, they start off as normally as child stars. Yes, yeah, that I was going, yeah. And it grows. Oh. And then the recordings come and they just and get, they get bigger and bigger. They get their stamp of this is the... Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting just what you're saying about places, which is something we'll get on to yes. when we do. It's like Morong 
as you mentioned, Morondo La Frontera, that is famous for guitar playing. Mm. Yeah? And that's seen as the home of the guitar. Yeah. Jerez is, is probably a, the, the song. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so the, it's, it's a tricky one, this. Very tricky business. Well, <laughs> if you want to get into it, you know, you're up against it, really. But anyway, and before we actually started recording, you mentioned somebody who, in your words, was a bit neglected, even though he was great. I'm not sure how I... It's, it's Manolo... Sanlúcar, is that how yeah. I pronounce his name? Manolo Sanlúcar. Manolo yeah. Sanlúcar. Yeah, I mean, he's a, one of, he is one of the great uh, guitarists of all time. How come I've never heard of him? Well, I think it's possibly because his music is quite difficult. He's made masses of records, they're fantastic records. And he he's around, you know, one of his heydays is at the same time when Paco is so popular with, with his big records. I was going to say... Uh, my mom, who doesn't listen to flamenco, yeah. right? she immediately, when I talked to her about what we're doing and that we're going to cover Paco de los, she said, oh, yes, I know Paco de los, immediately. Yeah. She, she can't tell you any other name, but she has heard of Paco de los. Yeah, it, it's because, you see, Paco obviously is a, is a, is a genius, and, but he, he produced this rumba at the same time as Manolo Sanluca was doing this, that and the other, which gave him this world fame and, you know, once he'd made Entry Dos Aguas, the rest was history. Oh, yeah. And he, yeah. Now, Manolo is incredible. He, he has produced a record uh, as interesting and as good as Paco de Lucia's Amoraima, which is seen as probably Paco's greatest record. Uh, and it's called Tauromagia. And it deals with all the stages of the bullfight and this is an extraordinary record now this is a man who you're talking about somebody who practices hours and hours and hours and hours a day uh, and his his compositions are very very difficult now I, I sometimes play some things of Paco and, and I, you know I can play some of his compositions I can't get on very easily with the compositions of Manon San Luca, they, they are just too difficult. Even though they're, are they playing the same guitar? Uh, oh, no, they used, well, I'm, I think they may, may play a so I can't remember what, what Manolo uses, but it's, his things are so intricate that they are extremely difficult to learn. So does he also fall into the classical part of it, or? Yeah, yeah. he's, um, or more experimental, or I don't know how to. He did do a lot of experimental stuff, yeah. Uh, and he's um, his brother is a great composer. Uh, he's uh, somebody that is so um, he's like a a Mozart of flamenco. You know? Yes, it to makes you. sense now. It yeah. makes sense and now. So his his records only, are, only he wasn't as recognised. Yeah, yeah. And these are long records. Oh, right? you're talking about an extremely long piece. All the way through, you know that's what he's like. Was he aware that he is neglected? That he did he well, feel it? Do you think he felt like no, he I think was? He, he feel, oh, no, I mean we, when we've had like the day of Andalusia a few years ago, he was the, chosen to be the person to play the guitar for that. So he's very honoured, you know. He's very honoured uh, in that way. So he's recognised as, as a great player. 
Uh, there's an interest in another one of the, the Saura films on, on the film about Sevillanas. He brings him together with Paco. So they sit opposite each other. It's one like a of the battle. Gra- a flamenco <laughs> battle. It is fantastic. <laughs> and they look, you know, and they've got their nice boots on and their trousers and, and they and they look and they go and then they start off and they swap you know so he said one of them does more of the company and the other one does the bit then they go okay uh, your turn how do, how do you kind of decide who won i think it was equal no but uh, because the, the flamenco battle happened it does in this in 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 uh, singing you have you know mano a mano. so whoever collapses first <laughs> It's what it's what the audience thinks, but um, mm-hmm. no, I mean it, it, it's just a wonderful bit of. of I, I know we're going to talk about flamenco films yes. in a later yeah. podcast, and it, yeah. it's one of the classic moments when they both they sit down on their chairs, and it's almost like if it was in English. It's a good afternoon, good afternoon, <laughs> <laughs> and it's. Okay, well, we have spoken about all the people on my list. What would you? Uh, but, but, you know, the list that we put together, actually, yeah, it's yeah. fair to say we put these lists together, we decide. I mean, I, I have little knowledge, so I, but you really direct well, we me. Well, we just end off. We just, we, yeah, I just we'll want throw to read off some names. Yes, um, we, yes. We didn't talk yes. about Manwe Tori, one of the great early gypsy singers. Uh, we didn't talk about Antonio Mairena. We did mention him. He was one of the great singers. Um, we didn't talk about people like... Somebody that I do know very well and spent a lot of time with, Ran Capino, who is, is, is oh, like, that, had a big relationship. We'll talk about him when we do Camarón. Okay, okay. And we didn't do Caracol. It's a nice little snail for you there. Well, we, we, we reached the end of the, almost the end of the poll, and you still haven't told me what La Paquera means, but I'll let you off. Well, and I'm going to give you another one. Yes. I think you can easily work out what it means. Pan sequito. Or bread? Some bread, uh, but um, we leave, talk about uh, something small, right? Yeah, I'll leave. Uh, you see, the diminutives are very important in, in Andalusia. Mm. Everything is in the diminutive. So we'll leave you with the word pansequito. We're going to leave you here with this episode. In the next one, we're going to talk about, so, uh, again, something really great about flamenco. But until then, if you listen to flamenco, play flamenco, or explore the culture, don't forget one thing. Always follow the beat.